The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. We're the Elsers. Welcome to the Elsner is a production of Galactic Nightcast. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsners.com. And for other Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. On Elsners, we swear and we spoil things, so happiness ensues. So you've been warned. All right, so, Corey, welcome. It's been a while, it seems like. Um, it, it does seem like it was longer than just one week that I skipped, but uh, great job of getting the Beatmaster on uh, in my stead. Excellent. The Beatmaster. Show. Not just yes. Beatmaster, but the. The. Like so, it's sounds, the sounds like you... walk to the grocery store or, it, or the or, itchy in my bottomness. I don't or, know. Or the about. pretentious assholes that are the Ohio State University. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, from regional joke. Sorry, regional joke. <laughs> uh, but no, so we got some news. Um, I'm doing good, too. I did all my venting of work stuff beforehand, so I'm not going to do that here. Although I will say, screw Comcast. Oh, my gosh. Um, so actually, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this for a second because I didn't share this, but Comcast, our billing center, moved from, from what, like basically in town to where the uh, a lot, like a lot of the people, if they were, if they didn't have decent transportation, but they lived in the in the heart of our town, they could walk there. They move over by our mall, but the address they put on the paper saying, "Oh, we moved," is the address to the mall, not across the street where they're at. So I'm driving by, and there's construction going on, and I'm like, "All right, I'm following my GPS." I pass it, I, but I don't even realize it because there's like three other buildings that are right there. And I'm like, all right. So I look it up as I'm walking through the mall. I'm like, it's not in here. I look it up, like, oh, it's over here. Driving around, not finding it. Finally getting directions from the, where they say it's at, the the store that's in there. They're like, I'm like, so hi, is Comcast in there? They're like, the lady goes, no, what you're going to do is you're going to get in your little car. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm well, comparatively big... to you, Gregor. Comparatively, a 2003 Mercury Grand Marquis is not little. But it's like... Just the way she said it was in such a condescending tone. I'm like, I was taking it back. I'm like, did you really just say that? Like, I was offended, even though I would drive a small car. You know, I would drive a mini, a, a mini Cooper, and you know, you just see me get out, and it's like, he fit in there. Holy crap! And here so, come the clowns. Yeah, exactly. Is there anyone else coming out of there? Um, but and then I find it, and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting spot. And it looks cool. They got this redesigned thing where it's like one of those, like the, one of the modern stores, like an Apple store or whatever. And so I'm sitting down and I'm waiting and I'm number two in line. They get number one and then four other people come in. So they, and they have this nice little queue thing um, right next to one of the TVs. That it's, it looks like a thing of paper, but it just shows what all, you know, what, what, where spot you are in line. So number three, number four come in. They call up number three, and I'm like, "All right, cool, whatever." And they call up number one. And I'm like, "Are you ever gonna call on me? Gosh, I've been sitting here patiently." And they ask like, "Is anyone paying a bill?" And I'm like, "I am." Like, "You paying with cash?" Yeah, okay. I'm like, what? No one wants to deal with cash? Come on. <laughs> so that was what last Thursday. 
No, last Friday. Because then I went to uh, Walmart to get food for uh, for work, and I'm sitting here busting my ass because I also bought this, a, a new Harmony remote, because the remote I got from Comcast is horrible. Um, and I love that thing. Um, so, yeah, that was my week, in, summed up in a nutshell. Uh, so you just basically went off on Comcast on the Internet. How brave of you, sir. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't care. I'll, <laughs> I will join... Veronica Belmont and Ryan Block in that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they they did their stuff and then left the service. So yeah. I'm just saying, if everything drops off in just a few minutes, just remember Comcast. Uh, I still owe you money, so if you oh, want to see a check, uh, kick down. Make sure my speed stays high and my channels stay <laughs> high definition. But yeah, so um. Anyways, let's get into the news, because um, enough about bitching like little schoolgirls. Um, Arrow Season 5, which it seems weird that we're already talking about Season 5 of Arrow, of a lot of these shows. Um, but Arrow Season 5 will feature a familiar face as Artemis. Um, and this is coming from uh, Superhero Hype, who is reporting it from Variety, that um, you know, with a lot of the other casting, which is really interesting, really cool, really interesting... But we will also see um, Madison McLaughlin, um, who played the Black Canary impersonator Evelyn Sharp in the series. She will be suiting up as the young Art, um, as Artemis. And now, I'm assuming this is the same character, just changing what her secret identity is. After being inspired by Arrow, or by the Green Arrow, in the last season, the episode where he basically talks her down out of getting revenge dressed up as the Black Canary, which led to the reveal of who the Black Canary was to everybody after uh, Laurel had passed away. Yeah, that I mean, that would make sense and for that, but part of me wonders, because we also got the, the news of the first episode of The Flash is going to be called Flashpoint. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things like, are they going to use... Flash to retcon all these other shows, you know, to bring in Supergirl into this universe to bring uh to somehow get to where uh, Leonard Snart is on all the shows like it, it was they said he was going to be on and you know reverse his death at the end of the time uh thing in Legends of Tomorrow, um, in which case this could twist this to where she's not playing Evelyn Sharp but maybe she is playing um, the daughter of the villains Tigress and sport, Sportsmaster. Which we don't know what her character was yeah. before. So we, we don't know anything about her. So she could be that anyways. It It's kind of I don't know. I'm a little bit put off by the fact that it's yet another archer in this city. <laughs> But it's like somebody but, at the Walmart had a big sale on bows and arrows, kids. Yeah. Uh, you can just go down, grab one, throw on a ski mask. Oh well, no, that's that's something different. But just get out there and and shoot them up. Um, at least the other two characters that we've heard about for this season, mm -hmm. which are the vigilante and who is the other one? Uh, like Mad Dog uh, or somebody? Wild Dog. Wild Dog. Uh, such successful characters. From DC's backdrop, mm -hmm. at least the Aaron Batman villains still went over to be an Arrow. Uh, 
but at least neither of them are archers. And, yeah. Uh, well, and there's this Vixen is... coming in in this um, more thir- like with Legends of Tomorrow too. She's not an archer. Well, it's also a different Vixen though. It's not the Vixen that we know from before. Yeah. So we don't know what she is. But she's not an arrow. This is this is another archer going into the arrow universe, and it's it like I said, it's just it, it may be a little many. Can we can we all agree and say just say thank God that it's not Cupid? <sighs> it's Cupid, stupid. <laughs> you had to give the one cool line she had. You had. I don't to say know that it. it's a cool line. It's just that's that's Out of what she. Every line she had, everyone that they try to make. Oh, yeah, this is a cool line. That's the one that was the coolest. Uh, I just still, think it still was a crappy line. Anytime you fall in love with Oliver Queen, you become really detrimental to the enjoyment of the show. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I mean. I don't know, it's really interesting um, to see, and who knows. I have a feeling you're probably right, since she is one of those people, you know, that she is one of those that is going to be recognized. Um, you know, I just like I just got through watching the IT crowd for like the seventh time. It, it was what I would watch when I'm at work on lunch, and they had one actress play two separate roles in two separate seasons. But the way they got around it is she was in the second, the first or second season, but her face was bandaged up. And you, you did see her face because she was a model and she had like, she got in a car accident or whatever. And she had to have facial reconstructive surgery. And then she was in the, uh, in season four again, but without the bandages. And like, that makes sense. But with this, I would almost, I have to agree with you that it is going to be, she is going to be the same character, just now she's taking on the 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 name Artemis. Yeah, she wasn't just a she wasn't just a background character. She was a focus of an episode, and she was you know she was another vigilante in her own right at this point by stealing the the identity of Laurels. But it seems very fitting that it would be okay. She goes from impersonating Laurel to becoming a hero like what Arrow talked her into, and she sort of follows his theme by becoming someone. And and that's assuming that Artemis is being used as an archer. Now, the character started in the comics under the name Arrowette, and when they did the Young Justice cartoon, they changed her name to Artemis, but Artemis, the original character name that I remember it, was a Wonder Woman character. Uh, she was another Amazon on the island, and when Diana lost the right to be Wonder Woman, Artemis was the one who won in the challenge and became Wonder Woman for a while in the 90s, and they gave Diana a very shitty costume, which they seem to like to do to her for some reason. So, who knows what this Artemis should be? Yeah. But uh, So, in other news, um, sticking with the world of people's childhoods, of superheroes... Um, Brian Cranston is set to play Zordon in the Power Rangers movie. Um, and the I guess the official poster, as we're recording this on the 21st, is going to come out tomorrow. Um, but the Breaking Bad star has revealed via Twitter that he will be playing the Power Rangers mentor Zordon. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is this is my childhood. 
this is, you know, I think it it started two years before I was born or something like that. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things that, you know, was very much, there is video somewhere that one of my family members has of me at the age of four putting on a full ski mask with my cut when my cousins going, I'm a power ranger and, you know, cuteness abounds with that. Um, but along these same lines, it's, you know, I don't know exactly how I feel about this because Evan was saying, do you think he'll do mocap? Evan was mentioning this before the show asking, you know, do, do, do I think that they'll do mocap for Brian Cranston? And I said, I don't think they need to because you look at, um, you look at, uh, Zordon and Hey, I mentioned Evan here. He comes. Um, but you look at Zordon in the original, they didn't use CGI. It was uh, it was like the actor. I'm assuming the actor, you know, with his face like this, and they just rotoscoped around it and then put an effect on it. You look at Iron, Tony Stark in all the Iron Man movies, and he, um, and he had, you know, it's not a motion captured face. It's his face, and they put the effects over. So I think they could honestly do it to where, you know, you have Brian Cranston's face right here. As he's like, Rangers, you must do, you know, whatever the mission is. Um, and this has me a little bit more excited because, and I mean, also I'll throw out there, you know, the other, you know, the other actors that are in here because we have, oh, that, okay. So I, I didn't know who RJ Kyler was, but uh, he's playing Billy the Blue Ranger. Um, he's from um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. He's Earl in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, Dacre Montgomery, or Dacre—I don't know. Uh, he's playing the Red Ranger, uh, Jason the Red Ranger. Um, uh, Naomi Scott is playing Kimberly the Pink Ranger. Becky G, um, from Empire is playing, um, Trini the Yellow Ranger, and then uh, Ludi Lynn is playing uh, Zach the Black Ranger with Elizabeth Banks playing the villain Rita Repulsa and I have to say I do like everything I've seen so far with you know with the suits you know it looks like a modern interpretation of the classic design to Rita Repulsa where it looks it doesn't look like oh she's just in this big horn thing and just going like a witch it looks like she's actually going to be pretty freaking intimidating as a villain and that does not look like Elizabeth Banks to me at all, which is cool. Um, My only hope is that we get Frankie Muniz in as Alpha 5. <laughs> is he still in pictures? Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. Can you repeat what's, the question? What's Frankie Muniz doing right now? <laughs> Just swimming in piles of money. <laughs> rolling in the... Uh, rolling in that... Sweet, sweet uh, Malcolm in the Middle residual checks. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah. What do you think, though, about... Cranston was somebody that everybody was hoping was going to play Lex Luthor. And then we got Eisenberg instead of Heisenberg. 
and people went batshit over how bad that turned out. And then they were hoping that he would play Commissioner Gordon in the DC Universe, and instead we get the ex-J Jonah Jameson, who's all super pumped, uh, which I don't imagine I'll be disappointed with him playing the character, but so Cranston goes Power Rangers. So what you're saying is tomorrow we'll see, oh, just kidding, and it's going to be some other actor? Like it's going to be Jeff Daniels? No, I mean, this looks to be confirmed. Even Elizabeth Banks uh, congratulated no. him and called him out on Twitter. But yeah, no, it, it, I, I just kind of wonder. It's like DC really, I mean, all these people that, all these characters that he would have been a good choice for and they just kind of passed him up. And how do you pass up Cranston at this point? Or maybe he just wasn't interested in the parts. I mean, we don't know what goes on. Scenes. Well, I mean, he, he could have looked at an earlier version of the Justice League script and went, I don't want to get super buff. Or, or maybe he looked at it and said, I don't want to get Snydered. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, so yeah, this is really cool. I'm, I am excited to see all this stuff. Um, and it has uh, Mac, Max Landis uh, as a writer. Um, and... And the uh, the par produce and the one of the producers is the Power Rangers creator, uh, Ham Saban. So, I have a feeling it's one of those things like it's going to be in good hands, sort of deal. Um, it'll it'll be something. Yeah. So the next one, and I'm gonna preface this by saying, this next story is completely a rumor. Um, but this article from ScreenGeek.net has a lot of stuff for the upcoming Netflix shows that I think it's worth the read past the, oh, the rumor of Mephisto being the main villain of the Defenders. Um, because it told me stuff in here that I did not know, like the fact that the Serpent Society um, will be in Luke Cage, which is awesome. And they even give reasoning behind why they think Mephisto will be one of the, or will be the main villain in the Defenders movie, and it's all because they're using Iron Fist as the gateway into the paranormal, supernatural side of Marvel. Yeah, and something to keep in mind is that Supernatural has been a common thread with the Defenders since they were first created. I mean, Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Silver Surfer, and... Oh, man, I cannot remember who was the fourth at that point in time. Uh, no, it was it was all dudes. Uh, they were... Oh, the Hulk. You already said the Hulk. I, okay, well, then I don't remember. Um, but these guys, obviously, with Doctor Strange, you had a group that was going to have ties to the paranormal. Later on, the, the Defenders that I remember reading as a kid was Damon Hellstrom, who was the son of Satan. Uh, Patsy Walker, Hellcat, was part of it. Uh, the Gargoyle, Valkyrie was in at that point. And so a lot of supernatural things were were expected. This is a Defenders that hasn't been put together before in the comics. That, that team just hasn't existed with these characters. But yeah, when when we're looking at what they've done so far in the shows, 
there is some supernatural things happening. Just the whole stuff with Elektra and the hand and some of the, the things like Daredevil killed a guy in the first season and he came back to life in the second season. Uh, we found him again. If you look at the powers that are introduced by some of the other characters in Jessica Jones dealing with Kilgrave, who knows beyond this mention of the Serpent Society, what else we're going to get with Luke Cage. So it's not terribly unexpected, but it is such an unusual thing to go straight to what is the devil. And how do they play that out? And how do they make that work for their budgets in this style of show? Because you can have Mephisto, but he doesn't necessarily have to wind up looking like what he looks like in the comics. Uh, you can do something that's maybe a different take on him, but still has a lot of the dark abilities and the the kind of uh, claiming your soul kind of stuff, which is not far from what Kilgrave was if you want to go that route. I think that there's there's a good amount that could be done with this, and you need to have a pretty high-end threat for the heroes that are going to be in this. Yeah. Uh, plus, by this point in time, we're already going to be seeing magic introduced in the Marvel Universe with Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, we had talked about before about, you know, doing, with this rumor, doing some, like, fantasy casting beat one I'm calling it now because he just said here's put put in there I love the reaper devil and I'm like yes there we go cast I'm uh, blanking on his name um from Twin Peaks um he was in the episode of Psych or he was in Psych when they did the uh, uh it's like Sam something Oh, is he the guy who who was playing the priest in? Yes. Oh, I. You're right. I can't think of his name. He was. He was Leland Palmer on Twin Peaks. Oh, crap. Ray, uh, Ray Wise. Yes. Wow, he is not on the first page of Twin Peaks IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ray Wise, who's done a lot of great stuff and would be. Pretty solid as Mephisto, uh, and should be coming off the high of being on the revival of Twin Peaks, hopefully, by the time that that comes around. Uh, Namor, I think, was the other member yeah. of the Defenders. Yeah, the, the, the founding members are, are Doctor Strange, Namor, and then Hulk. Yeah. And then Silver Surfer came in later. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing about the show is that it, it does stick to the essence of who these characters are, but what it, it does around them is very inventive, very modern. It's not necessarily staying 100% to what the comics were, although the Kilgrave stuff was pretty accurate, uh, creepily so. And so I'm interested to see what they would do with this mm -hmm. going forward. And, it you is. know, who else is going to be introduced to, to fight this? Because I assume we're going to see people, Missy Knight, Misty Knight is going to be part of the Luke Cage series. Uh, Colleen Wing, I think, has already talked about being introduced in Iron Fist. Uh, we've seen Punisher at this point. He's supposed to get a spinoff series at some time. Elektra may be back at this point. We don't know. So, Some of us yeah. still have to finish season two of Daredevil. 
a huge threat. Oh, I'm sorry. I just oh, no, uh, no, I, no. spoiled you like a bitch. Oh, no. See, here's the thing. I've With, with my my self-imposed rules of spoiling, I am well past the... the like So any you saying spoil... You giving me a spoiler is my own damn fault now, not you being a dick. Well, it, it definitely wasn't intended. No, I don't... It's one of those things, like, I already know, like, like I don't, I'm on episode four still, and it's just like, you know, I plan on this next week where I have more time to be like, oh, let's watch, so let's watch Daredevil. Let's sit down and finish the show. Sort of deal. But that's, that's also the thing with Netflix is, is like, oh, well, you know, I can sit there and I know it's going to be there since it's a Netflix original. Yeah, the urgency is gone. But yeah, so... Because I would have thought for first, because we, we talked about doing the whole, you know, let's let's do fan casting with this, with uh, casting above Mephesto. I sort of like the idea of um, of Al Pacino, which they mentioned in the article, um, of him doing a Marvel part, and then like, well, why not Mephesto? And I'm like, that would make sense, you know, because then it's not, you know, straight up demon, like, you know, like how he looks in the comics, but the Reaper-style devil... Where it's you know that wolf in sheep's clothing almost sort of deal, but then with be- saying the Reaper Devil, I'm like, yeah, why not get Ray Wise? Like, I I, I love that idea. It probably it would happen, be but... a seriously good choice, depending on what kind of character they want to go with. Yeah, I I worry that it might be too much like Kilgrave because Kilgrave evil as shit, uh, amazing level of power very charming, mm-hmm. you know, very disarming in, in how he did things. And, you know, that is, you know, that is a perfect take on a devil character. But that's also Loki. You know, that's why these are the characters that stick out in the Marvel Universe stuff so far, is the the characters that have the biggest personalities are the ones that you actually secretly like. I think they were almost there with Ultron, but I think it was disappointing because we wanted something different from Ultron. We wanted Ultron to be more of the the baseless machine that just hated humans and didn't have that kind of human emotion to it. Uh, but you can't really say that James Spader was a bad take versus you look at the Red Skull, as big as a character as that is, not a lot there in the Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. To to give him a lot of things that you want to remember, uh, the other villains in Thor, uh, in the second one, the the dark elves or whatever, a lot of the the villains have not stood out. So the specific ones that do, I think, Kilgrave, Loki, and Mephisto could be in that same vein, which could be great, but also could feel repetitive. Okay, I'm going to say this just because there's a pattern going on here. Um, Mephesto will be played by Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah. That would be smart. Too bad it can't be Idris Elba again. Yeah. Um, we'll just get Idris Elba to play everyone. Uh, but no, so that's the news. Um, we'll have a little bit more news for oh. us. Do, what? I just thought wouldn't be cool if in the end of the the thing when they do defeat Mephisto, if 
he just kind of like disappears into a whiff, and then we find out that it actually was Loki in disguise the whole time. Nice. Hashtag Loki 2016. Sorry, I also read the Vote Loki book from this past week, and I loved it. It was awesome. Um, but no, so now we're going to go to Nerding Out, um, which Loki, uh, Vote Loki was not my Nerding Out, although I remembered it. I'm like, oh, wait, that would have been a good one. Um, but I picked Wonder Woman Rebirth from two weeks ago, and this is actually a great book if you are like Corey and you are sort of sick of the New 52 or you are confused by by the origin stories of Wonder Woman since there are at least three that they used in the book. Um, but this is written by Greg Rucka, um, and the art is by uh, Liam Sharp and uh, Paolo... S- Sicreria? I don't know how... I'm butchering that pronunciation, I know, and I apologize. Um, but this is really cool. Um, and also, I'm going to point out that in, in Amazon there, here, they have, for the uh, graphic novels you should be reading, they have The Killing Joke, uh, one of the Dark Knight books, and then that book. Hmm, Amazon, I think you're spot on on that one. <laughs> uh, as I hold up the book one of Preacher by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Um, but no, so this, it combines, you're in one woman's head throughout for all these things as she's talking about her, like, what is her actual origin? Is she, uh, is she the, a clay being who her mom, cause her mom couldn't have a daughter or couldn't have kids. So, you know, she made this thing of clay and then. You know, boom! It became to life. Is she the love child of Zeus and um, and her mom Hippolyta? Is she uh, what was the third one? It's like something with like all the Amazons or whatnot, um, sort of deal. Even with the introduction of Steve Trevor, you know, was she like how they do it with the Wonder Woman animated movie, where? She entered into a contest in disguise to hot, uh, so because her mom forbid her for from entering it because she'd have to be banished. Um, or is it you know this or that you know? And it was really really brilliantly done. And this book honestly has me excited for what Greg Rucka is going to do with the uh, with the the com- with the run going on because this is that unique take since they're going to two issues a month where the first issue will be I believe the story arc is called um what is it the uh the arm or something like that it's a really simple um title and then year 1 is the origin story that he's that he's telling and it is just really, really cool. Like I'm super excited about all about this. Um, it's the lies. The lies. That's it. Um, like I, I would say more so out of any of the DC books, and I've read, with the exception of this past week's um, Rebirth books, I've read pretty much all of them. Um, and I've read all the, you know, the new, as the new stuff has been coming out. Um, but I have to say this one on one does seem the most interesting Superman again, seems like it's going to be disappointing to me 
because at the setup, great, great setup for that. But then it quickly turned into, that's Clark Kent right there at the end of, uh, I want to say Action Comics. Like there's Clark Kent right there, who I'm assuming is the new 52 version. So did you really just have him die and come back within two issues? Sort of deal. But I don't feel like I'm going to get that at all with Wonder Woman. I feel like it's going to be great. Uh, if you want to hear my rant about the rebirth concepts, uh, you can go back a couple episodes. Apparently, it was quite popular with the head of our network. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but wait, so shouldn't we do that properly, like with a little asterisk? See episode number uh, five, I think is what it was. You would know better than I do. Yeah, episode uh, five, if it's two episodes ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this book because... Well, let's be honest, because of Greg Rucka. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and certainly the, the alternating issues. Uh, Nicola Scott is a fantastic artist, so I'm looking forward to the new origin story that they're going to do together. But Rucka has had problems in the past of working with DC where editorial interference on things as he's doing them has caused him to get frustrated and he, he left the company for a long time. You know, he, he's a very successful writer. He doesn't need to work at DC, but he does have a lot of these characters. And so I imagine him coming back was kind of, all right, I'm going to do Wonder Woman, and I'm going to be able to do the Wonder Woman stories as I see them to need to be done. Um, now, this is just a guess. I don't have any inside baseball here. So him coming in and saying, all right, we've had some confusion as to what her origin is. And while I liked a lot of the uh, Cliff Chang, who was the writer? Uh, Stray Bullets guy, right? Um, That wrote the new 52 Wonder Woman when it first launched. Uh, Brian Azzarello. Brian Azzarello, yeah. Uh, I liked their, their story a lot, although didn't really... It didn't really build on what Wonder Woman was. It changed aspects of Wonder Woman, not necessarily to tell this story. I don't think it was necessary, and I think that's part of the frustration. Like, what they did to the Amazons was kind of irritating. Uh, Changing her from being made of clay to being, like, another bastard child of Zeus, like Hercules and other things from Greek mythology, I just didn't find that very inspiring. We'd already... We already have those characters. What Wonder Woman's origin was to me, it was distinct. It made her stand out. But some people were frustrated by that. Some people were fine with it. Some people liked it. I I probably lean more towards the it didn't need to be changed group. So Rucka coming in and saying, well, which one of these is accurate? Which one of these is correct? As we're going to be doing these back and forth stories of current storyline and origin storyline, yeah, you don't want to just retell the origin that was just told. You want to you want to do something to distinguish it, and I think that's what I'm probably more excited about of the two. Yeah, um, I, know, I was looking up on his or on the IMDb page for the books that he's written. Like he's currently, you know, besides this book, he's doing the uh, um, the Black Magic and. Uh, Lazarus over at Image. Um, I couldn't find... I think the last book he did over at Marvel was um, uh, was Cyclops. 
Um, and then before that, he had done uh, Punisher War Zones, uh, Volume One or Volume Three, issues one through five. Um, but and then he does he has a book coming up from Oni Press as well. And this is one of those like I I think I got into him fairly early on with the books or with when Glenn gave me the HP touchpad and it had comics in there. I started venturing out like, okay, who are these or who are, who are these other writers? What are they doing? And I'm like, Oh, Greg Rucka. Cool. And I loved his style. It was same, like same thing with Matt, uh, Matt fraction for me. It's like, I, I enjoyed the stories that were being told here and how they were going. But yeah, I agree completely. Um, I, I, where I did, I do still really enjoy the Brian Azzarello run on uh, one room. And it was one of the better, books in the DC New 52 lineup um, and I like it for that variation because you can look at it and you go okay well what if it happened this way and yeah it does where it does in a way sort of spit on the what was continuity it it does make for interesting storytelling and for these interesting um, you know these, these, these interesting concepts and uh, challenges that Wonder Woman faced going up uh, you know, after, and all that, and but yeah, I mean, it's really, really cool, and I cannot wait. Well, actually, it comes out uh, Wednesday, the Wonder Woman number one, which is weird when I'm behind on comics. I'm like, oh wait, I gotta wait two days to read the next issue because I'm still behind. This every other week thing with uh, many of the DC titles right now is going to be, it's you're gonna be busy. If you're if you're trying to read these titles, there you're gonna have a lot of material based it's, off of whichever books that you're into. Yeah, and it's gonna get make it to where I'm gonna be more picky. I ha I would have to be more picky with the books. And and I I can't say enough. I mean it's it's sort of frowned upon in the in the modern support your local comic shop kind of thing. And you can still support your local comic shop, but the week to week or every other week thing maybe isn't for everybody maybe you look at getting these things when they're in collections mm -hmm. you can still go to your comic shop your local bookstore and buy those collections uh, and you should if you can if you have one available to you but maybe being able to read the, the issues consecutively as opposed to every week although it is it's kind of compelling because DC doing all the titles at $2.99 is uh, when I'm seeing books at Marvel that are at $4.99 in issue, mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to say, oh, go support Marvel right now. And and I would even throw in there with Image, where it seems like Image, everything, with the exception of, I think, The Island and Image Plus, where those are more magazines, um, I think everything there is at $3.99. Yeah, but that so, took a while. Image yeah. held at $2.99 longer than either of these other two companies. And the fact that Image, the pricing is for the most part set by the creators mm -hmm. uh, more than it is the company. But because they're not getting they're not getting paid up front, they're getting paid as the issues sell and later on as the trades sell. Uh, it's it's a more difficult proposition. So yeah, they may not be splitting the money with the company to the same degree as they do as a hired person at DC or Marvel. Uh, so they potentially could make more, but how much are they having to deal with up front to get to that point? Yeah. And some of them never do. You know, for every saga and sex criminals, 
and the books that really hit it big, there are about a dozen other image titles that just sadly don't take off or mm-hmm. have middle of the road to lower returns, which is too yeah. bad because it doesn't. It's not a statement about the stuff, but people get excited about what they get excited about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so Corey, you actually have an interesting task here because. You're going to talk about X-Men uh, Apocalypse. I have heard from people, go see it. Anywhere from like, yeah, go see it in the theater to wait to see it on Blu-ray. Uh, I did neither. Uh, <laughs> let me just put it this way. There was no way in hell I was going to pay to go see any of the current crop of X-Men movies. Uh, Deadpool aside, which I don't consider an X-Men movie, uh, I just consider it something where Fox, despite their better judgment, ha, uh, wound up falling into success because the people who made it and started it really fucking wanted to make a great movie and fought tooth and nail to make it happen, and the fans fought tooth and nail for it to happen, and Fox, you know, did everything they could to cut it off at the knees and found some huge success with it, and they're like, Oh shit! Maybe we've been doing this wrong. Oh well, let's do another Singer X Men film and fuck it up again. <laughs> so this is one of those things that just kind of wound up in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I can watch X Men: Age of Apocalypse. Well, I'm already sick to my stomach. Let's see what happens. And uh... <laughs> so we 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 talked a little bit about memorable villains in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And let me assure you that uh, Apocalypse is everything the opposite of what we just talked about. This is boring on a plane of I would, if my arm was in boiling water watching this, I don't think I could muster the care to pull it out before the third degree burns set in mightily and I lose all skin and need a graft. It's not a good movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate the fact that it's not a good movie. I think I've mentioned before, when I grew up reading comics, I was a DC guy. And it was because I was reading and collecting Teen Titans because Dick Grayson was my jam that they did a crossover with the X-Men who I had not really heard of at that point. And I'm like, oh, well, shit. Well, I'll get this. It's the, some giant prestige format comic. And uh, I loved it. And I'm like, well, who are the hell are these X-Men characters? And who's this Kitty Pride? I really dig her. I'm going to go check this out. I came in about the time of the Brood Saga, which I think was like 161 to 163. Mm-hmm. And it was shortly before... I mean, the X-Men were all out in outer space with the, the Starjammers... And Xavier was on Earth. Xavier formed the New Mutants right around this time. So my 80s was two X-Men books kind of consecutively for years. And then later on they brought out X-Factor. And then things went to pot and they just made like a billion X-Men books. But I collected it throughout the entire you know, mid-80s through at least the early 90s. I stuck it out. I read Cable. I read X-Man, which was a clone of Cable from a different reality. I read all of Age of Apocalypse. 
I loved these characters. I loved these stories. Uh, the Claremont stuff is from a time where he just knew how to make these characters individuals stand out. He had great storylines that had almost no endings. Uh, usually it would be like, hey, I've introduced a thousand things and I'm not going to tie a bow on any of them. But they were just really compelling and good. And that is not what Singer does. Uh, Singer's characters are almost all the exact same voice. Uh, it's a complaint I see people say about Bendis as Avengers series, is that everybody talks the same. The, the Avengers, hey, got nothing on the X-Men in these movies. Because, first of all, none of the characters are like themselves from the books at all. And I think that that's something that has had to happen over time because it started out with one X-Men movie. We had a few characters. We just grabbed a handful of the ones that we thought were cool and put them on film together. And, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense because we didn't have Beast. We didn't have Angel. We didn't have some of the boring times of the old X-Men. But we introduced the X-Men and said, hey, the X-Men exist. And now we're introducing Rogue and Wolverine into the series. Uh, so you can see them mix it up with these other characters, too. And then X-Men 2 happened, and it got a little bit more convoluted, and there were people like, well, why isn't Kitty Pride? why did she suddenly de-age all of a sudden between movies? Uh, but why isn't Kitty Pride and Colossus part of the team, sort of? Well, they're there, you know, but you, you'll get around it. <sighs> then Singer left, and things went to pot. Uh, the Ratner, X-Men, The Last Stand was just, I mean, I, I'm surprised that the films ever were able to recover from how bad it was, but the way that recovered was going back in time. And this was not Singer either. This was uh, Vaughn that, that did X-Men the first class. But Jesus, you know, it's like everything that was the X-Men just stopped making sense at all. Uh, because suddenly Havoc is the older brother instead of the younger brother, and by about 20 years. And characters would show up in this first movie that happened in the 60s and then look the same age in the 70s and now look the same age in the 80s. Uh, apparently Quicksilver in between uh, X-Men Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse has just been living in his mother's basement the whole time, and I guess the son didn't do anything to his skin because he was never outside, so he doesn't look like he's aged at all in the 10-year time span between the two movies. Uh, he's also the only one in the, in the movies that has a distinct personality. But he's a distinct personality based off of his power set and based off of really cool scenes that make him way too powerful to be... that you can use in the rest of the film at all. It's like, mm -hmm. here's your really great Quicksilver scene... And now we can't use them anymore. Uh, so twice with that. Introduce the last movie. Great Quicksilver scene. Okay, bud, see ya. Introduce this movie. Great. And now we can't let you do anything else. Um, we're just going to have to cut you off and, and hope that nobody notices because you're way too powerful uh, and enjoyable to be in this movie. I think that this is a a stroke fest of mystique because that's pretty much what the, the films have centered around. 
they they just keep bringing back what they think are their their key players. Uh, here's Charles. Here's Magneto again for no fucking reason. And nobody gets to grow. Nobody gets to change who they are from film to film. It's just like another ten years has gone by and we're still doing the same shtick. And here's some villain that wants to destroy the world just to destroy the world, which has just gotten old in every comic book movie. Just the, I just want to do it because I can. I don't have a reasoning outside of it. So it's just kind of disappointing. It, it, the introduction of Storm, the introduction of Psylocke, the different version of Angel that they don't really explain why this is an Angel 2 but isn't the same one that we've seen before. The fact that Jubilee is now has been born 20 years ahead of when she must have been born when she was introduced in X-Men 2 doesn't make sense. Uh, people's powers and motivations and everything are just interchangeable because of this is the story as we want to tell it and it doesn't matter who's in it. Yeah. I find that very frustrating as not just a comics fan, but as just someone who's watched your goddamn movies. You know, Singer, you did the movies before. Yeah, there were some hiccups in between, but now you're back. You should at least remember what you did. And you can't just whisk it all under the carpet and keep expecting that's going to be okay. It's not okay. And your stuff visually doesn't look very good. This stuff is just dull. It just remains dull. And I, I'm, I'm sorry... Because I think we deserve good X-Men movies. Uh, they kind of helped kick off the superhero film stuff. After we had gotten Blade, it was like X-Men happened and Spider-Man happened. And those things were a big deal. And we were like, oh, this is amazing. And then Batman Begins happened. It's like, wow, this is really good. And they just, they're, they're kind of like, they never elevated past what they were in the late 90s, early 2000s when they started. And other superhero movies have gotten better. Not all of them, obviously. I'm opinionated as fuck. But these Why should... You opinionated? No. <laughs> these should be able to be better films. X-Men is such a rich property that I just can't understand why they keep letting this be something that just... it drags out instead of feeling exciting. It's I feel dread when a new X-Men movie comes out. Yeah. So you've you've said a lot of things that other people have said, but they said them as good things. Um, like, like my one friend, he goes, "Yeah, you should go see it. The um, Quicksilver scene is good." And I'm like, "That's yeah." The if it's just the Quicksilver one... scene is great. Yeah. Uh, it's about five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and the movie is what hour and a half, two hours long. Yeah, we'll say that. It yeah. feels a lot longer. It feels like I'm Quicksilver because everything's moving <laughs> slow in front of me. Yeah. Uh, but no. It, yeah. You can't make a movie for one scene. I mean, you can. Uh, that's sort of what the original Independence Day was. Oh, look here they blow up the White House, and then they just reuse that over and over and over again in every movie after that. Um, this is. Hey, we wrote this really great Quicksilver scene into a movie that supposedly stars X Men, but doesn't. And uh, hope that's worth fifteen bucks for you. Apparently not. Yeah, I'll wait for it to come out on FX. 
<laughs> and it will be replayed like yeah. gangbusters because they still play X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. They, I think they just started playing the Wolverine. Oh, they've originally. been playing that a hell of a lot for the last year. And uh, I, I, again, you know, you can... You can tr- promise me the fucking world, but there's no way in shit that I'm going to go see your last Wolverine movie. As much as I like Jackman in the role, it, it's not against him, but I don't believe that any of these fuckers have learned a lesson yet. Every time it's like, oh, no, we're going to fix it now. We know we, we're going to do better. You're not going to do better. It, it's the people in charge don't know what they're doing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, with different people, we can see success. Deadpool was a success. Um, but the rest of Fox, Fox's movies are just ugly to me. I just, I don't know what it is, but their production values always stand out as being just really grainy and poor, and I don't know if it's their effects house or what, but something about them just doesn't look right. And that's a visual aspect. That's not even a, you make shit movies. That's a, do you, do you run this through a granulator? Uh, are you are you picking up clippings of Snyder films that he drops off because they're four hours uh, just to make them rated PG-13 instead of R? I, I don't know what you're doing, but it, it seems like you should take this to your dry cleaner and run it through something with bleach. <laughs> nice. Um, so it sounds like you got a little warmed up here because we're everyone here is expecting you to rant on this next thing. Because our discussion topic is um, based on this article from Comics Alliance, uh, Justice League set reports roundup, everything we've learned about or from the just or about the Justice League so far. Uh, we might as well. I know it's a Marvel property, but can we just call this Justice League damage control? <laughs> yeah. Or wait, what's the? Isn't there a DC equivalent? Uh, it's whatever they're doing on NBC with Powerless. the insurance company. Um, but no, so here's, first off, I will start by saying here's the official Justice League synopsis. Fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by Superman's selfless act, Bruce Wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally, Dana Prince, to face an even greater enemy. Together, Batman and Wonder Woman work together, or work quickly to find and recruit a team of metahumans to stand against this newly awakened threat, but despite the formation of of this unprecedented League of Heroes, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash, it may have already be too late to save the planet from an assault of, of catastrophic proportions. Directed by Zack Snyder, this marks the big screen debut of the Justice League featuring an all-star lineup of Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and Ray Fisher. So basically the synopsis is... Can five of DC Universe's greatest heroes fight their way out of a shitty franchise? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I was I was reading. I was looking through this, um, and it sounds like they're trying. They're they're doing damage control. You know, they're trying to do. Um, they're trying to to do this to where they have. You know, like like one one thing that stuck out to me is they said that it's gonna be it's gonna have humor. Um, it's gonna have heart. There's there's a scene that I read, pretty much written up, which is the scene of Bruce Wayne going and finding Barry Allen uh, in his apartment that is akin to Tony Stark showing up 
in Peter Parker's apartment and inviting him to join up with so the Avengers. So Ben Affleck's going to hit on a young Aunt May? Uh, no, why wouldn't he hit on Barry Allen? Or that, I don't know. We I mean, have that's... nothing established in this. <laughs> uh, it So way down on the list, because there is a list of the different things that have been talked about in this, there is this part that, that really stands out to me. The original report surrounding Warner Brothers' Justice League reveals that it would be a two-part, two-movie affair, but we've now learned that there will be one standalone movie. Uh, Deborah Snyder told Screen Rant, we were only ever planning and we are only doing Justice League. Not Justice League 1, not just, oh, sorry. Not, not, not Justice League movies, Part just, 1. Just Justice League, one movie. Uh, and then in Zack Snyder, it's like, that doesn't mean that there isn't a chance for another Justice League movie, uh, Snyder teased. Uh, the movie doesn't end, and you go, okay, well, that's the DC Universe, adding that there's still a release date for the previously announced Part 2 movie. So it's kind of like, we're making the two movies that were announced when they put out the giant fucking list for the next ten years... Uh, just kidding, I don't know why you think there were two parts to a Justice League movie, even though it said that on the billboards. There's just the one. I mean, why would you even contemplate that there were two of them when the words part two were up there? Now it's like, um, we've done all we can to go to bat for Zack Snyder. If he fucks this one, we're pretty much just going to put him in a box and shove them down in Atlantis. Uh, and I think I think that's that's what I'm reading here. Is oh, we'd love to do a second one that hasn't actually been announced, although it was announced a year ago. Uh, we just hope to shit that they'll still pay us to do it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're finally learning some stuff here, um, but. I don't know, it's one thing, and it makes sense, but it's sort of, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for practical effects, but one of the things that they said is that um, Cyborg will be, at least from the neck down, will be C CGI, which makes sense. Of course. Um, they also said that the Flash's costume is made up of 148 pieces, and the cowl alone has 70 pieces. Yeah, that, uh, I'm like so. That's that's as busy as a Jim Lee drawing of Flash. Yeah, that's like okay. I again, I go to the cosplay people, um, and it's like, all right, let's see it. Can they do? Can can they do a behind the scenes featurette of the Flash's costume on this for people to do highly accurate yet not gonna cost a like, you know, $20 million. Oh, man, I know cosplayers. They will do it. They will figure it out, first mm -hmm. of all. They have minds like engineers. Yeah. Uh, they are incredibly talented and driven, and sometimes I think that they must have bankrolls that are on the level of what Trump says he has, uh, but he's a filthy fucking liar, and uh, <laughs> that they will they will do it and they will improve upon it. And give yeah. the movie something to aspire to. I do want to say that at least it sounds distinct from 
what the Flash's outfit is on the TV show. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's going to be a different take, and that's something that they kind of have to do. They have to make this movie Flash very different from the TV Flash. As much as as much as we like it to be the TV Flash in the movie, uh, and I've got nothing against Ezra Miller at all, but you know we have a really good Flash. I I sure would have liked it if that's what they did. But knowing that they're not doing that, then make it as completely different with still being the spirit of the Flash as you can to make the movie stand out and to not steal away from what the show already is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's a tough position to be in, to be the guy who's like, hey, everybody who's seeing this, this character on TV that they love by this actor that they love in this show that they love I'm going to be trying to do that character over here as well. Uh, give me a chance. Uh, so you have to not emulate. You have to make it your own. And yeah. I, I'm hoping that's what they do. No, yeah, definitely. Um, because, you know, Zack Snyder in there, he said he said about how for uh, Batman v Superman, they, they hit heavily on uh, The Dark Knight Rises, or sorry, The Dark Knight Returns. Um and I'm like, yeah, but should you have? You know, is, would, is that the right story to tell to introduce all these characters and all that? Or would it have been better to make this a Superman, a true Superman sequel? Sort of deal. Like, it seems like because, what, Justice League comes out, what, two years or one year from now? Something like that. I mean, Wonder Woman is yeah. next, and then it's Justice League, and well, then I think Squad, then Aquaman after that. Yeah. So it's like, it seems like they're doing things their own way, which is great. You know, I, I applaud them for that. But at the same time, it seems like it could be a, uh, like, it could go a little too quick, and th- they, could, they could pull an Icarus and be flying too high to the cloud, too close to the sun, and their wings are going to start melting. Sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it constantly comes back to the comparison to Marvel, and I, I hate the fact that that's the case, but realistically, that's what they're trying to get to. They're trying <laughs> to be Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe now without putting the years in to get there. Uh, they've done two movies, and they're making Avengers, and Marvel had four plus a Hulk movie that was kind of unofficially part of it. So five movies to get to their Avengers. Had a lot of world building in that time. And introduced things singly. We got Superman in one movie, then Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and some bizarre cameos for no reason of three other characters without any knowledge of who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you aren't, you know, accustomed to knowing who these characters are, to to get to this, and then lost the first character that we were introduced to, the first hero, spoilers, died at the end of the second movie that actually had his name in it for once. It's a just a weird place to be to get to. Now we've got our super team. I I just. It's it's a struggle. It's a curiosity as to why they chose this route other than we have to get there now. Because not only are they doing this um, 
on this kind of timetable, but they're trying to beat Marvel to the punch, I think, because they're trying to get this out in a way that one of the, the things about this is that it's rumored that there's going to be at least three mother boxes uh, in a scene with Cyborg, they show three mother boxes there. One of the mother boxes belongs to the humans, one belongs to the Atlanteans, and one belongs to the Amazons. The mother boxes are kind of looking sort of power gemish, and the fact that they're trying to introduce things that relate to Apocalypse, there's obviously going to be comparisons to Thanos. So as much as they can do to beat Marvel up on screen with these concepts of united uniting these things, it, it's just a oh well you're doing your your Civil War comic well we're doing our Ultimate War comic over here and you know which one of us is copying the other it's it's just it's a little tough to give them credit for doing things that are very similar now. Granted, Thanos and Darkseid came out around the same time. Thanos is kind of known to be a rip ripoff of Darkseid, but it's like the when they did the John Carter movie a few years ago. John Carter was the original of so many story elements and so many things, but by the time we got an actual John Carter film, we'd seen all the things that had copied it for so long that it didn't look original. It didn't have that that excitement because it was no longer the first time. Uh, they waited too long to get it out there, and I, I worry sometimes that that's what happened with DC. If they're just trying to recreate what Marvel does, they're not going to succeed. On the other hand, trying to go so far away from what the superheroes are, what the superheroes come from, which is, you know, being teammates, being heroic, uh, not shooting and killing people, that seems to be not good for them either because the reason we want to see these characters up on screen is because we've loved them for many years and to see them portrayed so differently from they are in the comics is is not any better than copying what Marvel's doing. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, well, yeah, you're going to copy what Marvel's doing because you guys and they have been doing this for the same amount of time all these tropes go back to your comics for decades, you know, for almost a century in some cases. So, yeah, if there's anybody who can get away with it, it's like, all right, if I go see Paul McCartney in concert, I'm expecting I'm going to hear some Beatles songs. If I go see Ringo Starr in concert, I expect I'm going to hear some Beatles songs. It seems like those people get the exclusive to go ahead and play Beatles songs or make songs that sound like the Beatles now because they were the fucking Beatles. Mm -hmm. Uh DC, you were you were the the John Lennon to Marvel's McCartney. You guys get to do this. You you win that prize. So do it right. Um, and I think in a lot of these things, this might disappoint some people. It sounds like maybe that's what they're gonna finally do. Uh, the the idea of Batman having a new sense of humanity. I don't understand why Batman came in with no sense of humanity, but I'm glad he's getting one. Same thing with same thing with Superman though. From what it sounds like from, you know, from Man of Steel, he had to learn why he wanted to use his powers, or sort of deal. And it sounded like it was the same thing with uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justin, that you know it's like, oh, why do I want to be 
a Superman sort right. of deal. And, and I don't understand why, you know, 30-year-old Superman and 50-year-old Batman are like that. You know, that, that kind of doesn't sit right with me. And I'm not interested... Like, I... The origin story is is a trope, and I accept that we're going to get origin stories. But when they say, "Oh, we're not doing an origin story; we're showing a a world weary Batman," which I don't get, first of all, uh, to have half your team be twenty year olds, and then one guy be fifty and already gone through a bunch of shit, but no one ever heard of him. Um, I just I don't find that interesting. I find heroes interesting. Mm-hmm. I find heroes inspiring, and yeah, heroes struggle, and heroes have fisticuffs with other characters and stuff. You can even have the hero-on-hero misunderstanding fight. That's that's a trope. It's it's sort of boring, but we get it, and you want to have that moment up on screen. But it, when the motivations were so terrible like they were in the last movie, I just I, I don't feel like that it's doing itself any favors. So getting them now to say, okay, we're going to have a Justice League, and it's not Justice League of dicks uh, just showing up and, like, everybody hate everybody until the last five minutes when we got somebody to fight that's not us, good. That lesson possibly learned. I, I just, as I see things like um, the introduction of different characters, the concept of going out and trying to form a team trying to to get everybody together, being inspired by another hero, even though he didn't seem to do much heroic in that movie until he said Martha. Uh, all that's a good idea. Uh, Affleck also talks about the stories that he's trying to do with Batman for his script. When he says that the Batman movie isn't on a hard schedule because the script's not done to the point where he likes it completely yet, and he's not willing to put out a movie with a half-assed script. Uh, so Which I think what they I did applaud. is they got somebody who had integrity and is a better filmmaker to say we're going to do this right and and mm-hmm. took a hard line on it. Uh, the introduction of Jeff Johns into the writing portion of this, I think, is showing. Uh, the introduction of humor, they say there's definitely room for more humor. It's not going to be uh, DC movies, uh, by their nature, a little more mythic than some comic movies. But... Batman versus Superman was very dark and heavy because it was really rooted in the Dark Knight Returns, which is heavy and dark, and this is not that. This is a step in evolution to bring together all these characters who have had their origins. It's about uh, multilateralism, it's about hope, and about working together and the kind of conflicts trying to work together with others. That all says Justice League to me. Mm -hmm. That all says DC superheroes to me. And in that regard, yeah, I think what it is is smarter heads prevailed. Yeah. Um, and maybe it took a beatdown of ego to get Snyder on board, or maybe things were done behind the scenes to say, look, we really don't believe in your vision anymore. Uh, you're not working in a closed room. You're working in an open-door situation and if that door closes, you might be on the other side of it. Uh, I, I just, I can't help but believe that. I don't want to just tear the guy to shit, but I think his vision for what these superhero movies are was flawed from the beginning, and I think nobody said, 
they're flawed because nobody who knew these characters was paying attention. And now people are paying attention because they you can't just put these characters up on screen and accept that they're going to sell tickets. Uh, it looks like Cyborg's movie, his standalone movie, mm-hmm. may have actually been taken off the docket. Like yeah. Justice League Part 2, it may have gone away because they don't know 100% that this character is going to have the interest that they they need for these movies to succeed at. I would honestly rather see uh, Cyborg, that Cyborg movie being replaced with a Titans movie where with him involved in it. I mean, I would I would rather Cyborg be with the Titans anyways. I've not been a huge fan of him being inserted in the Justice League. I They haven't been able to make his standalone comics work. They've tried mm-hmm. over and over, and I think they're just going to keep struggling because the idea of a Cyborg superhero isn't interesting. It, it was in the 80s. At that point in time, Cyborgs were huge. Uh, we're, we're not as in interested because we have so much technology already integrated into our lives that seeing a guy with robot arms and stuff, it, it's, it's so old school mm-hmm. that it's not terribly compelling. Uh, so if you can't give him you know, a real reason for being that is you know, either in his personality or in his origin or something like that that's going to make him stand out, I don't know what really they can do. And I think that's what they're seeing is they thought at this point in time that the Cyborg comics were going to catch on and make the character more popular, and they thought that having him be part of the Justice League was going to make him more popular, and it never clicked. Yeah. That's why you should have gone with Black Lightning, people. Black Lightning was fucking badass. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm looking up right now a video for us to play afterwards um but no because beats bringing up you know let's wait and see how and actually i do think this is the truest test of the thing of waiting and seeing how the suicide squad movie does because that would be the first dc movie out not directed by Zack snyder where Zack snyder has very little say in or i believe had very little say in the movie and that's going to be important and and that's that's the other thing too is that Suicide Squad went from being a, oh, that looks like a piece of shit, to, oh, I'm starting to see what they're doing there as they've emphasized humor and they've emphasized the characters' personalities and personality clashes uh, in the trailers, and they've upped the fun quotient, Mm -hmm. and they've really kind of underplayed Joker, uh, which we have to see how he's going to look on screen. I find Jared Letter's Joker... Interesting in how I think he's going to play the character, but I find everything that went into creating the version of the character just so terrible and so miscast. But that's because, like, his tattoos tell a story. Nobody gives a fuck about his tattoos and his story. Nobody thinks the tattoos are cool. They're not going to sell. Fetch is never going to work, okay? But at, at the same time, I think he can be a compelling actor to play the Joker. And the things I hear behind the scenes of like, oh, he was always in character. You know, uh, Will Smith saying, I never talked to Jared Leto. I only talked to the Joker when he was on set. Uh, That's cool. That seems intriguing. 
the rest of the characters and stuff like that. I think because it's not such a huge thing of it's not Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, they have the advantage. But again, it's it's maybe someone who came at it with a vision that was unique as opposed to a vision of big people hit each other. And that's, I think that's possibly why it can be more successful. I want to see how Wonder Woman's going to do, but Wonder Woman still has Snyder in a lot of control, and it was already in the works when the reactions for Batman v Superman were coming out. So I don't know how much they can do to fix it if it's broken, and maybe it's not broken. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that too, because that's that's not far away. Yeah. It's a precursor to Justice League as well. Right, so I believe that's just about going to wrap it up here for us. Um, and time to let you guys know that Glock Neckhouse has bills to pay. We, so, you know, where you guys pay rent and, you know, utilities every month, we have a, a website and audio hosting. Uh, so please consider considering helping us out by going to gncast.com slash support. And on there you can find our the links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a recurring monthly pledge. It happens first of the month, anywhere from the first to the seventh. And actually if you go on to gncast.com right now, you'll see my ugly mug talking to you about the website. It's this really weird infinite loop thing. It's mind-blowing. Um and you know, and if you shop on Amazon, you can click our affiliate link, which will give you a small percentage of ever, from everything that you buy um, on there, including like I bought a couple weeks ago, Preacher Book Book One by Scarth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Not a sponsor because it's more of the book, the cost that it did for this. Amazon gave a little bit to Dave to help with the sale. Yeah, I, got I some, mean, I got something I wanted. Dave got money. It, it, think about it that way. It's not. It doesn't change anything about what you would pay, or anything that you would do to shop. It just gives a little back to the network as support, uh, which we appreciate, and it helps us grow the network. It helps us uh, move forward. It maybe gets us the ability to advertise, which is something that we like to do. But for the most part, it, it keeps Dave from having to stress and uh, pay for all these things out of his own pocket which is uh, it's it's a burden sometimes but mm -hmm. it's a burden that he loves and it's a burden he took on himself uh, it would just be nice if uh, we could take some of that off of Dave as much as we can. The other thing about going to the website is if you go to gncast.com slash subscribe uh, you can sign up for the newsletter where you'll find out different things get some uh, info about the shows as they come out find out about upcoming events and stuff that we might be planning and that's completely free. That has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with Amazon. It's just stuff that we want to be able to connect with you on. And we don't give your information to anybody else. It stays completely with Collecting the Cast. We're not going anywhere. We're not selling off a list to anybody. Uh, it's just it's a good old time. So do that. Yeah. Um, and you can contact us. Let us know how we did. Tell us that we suck. I don't care. Um, you know, whatever you want. Actually, I encourage the hate. Um, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. I mainly say that because I know Dave has to read, has to hear it first. It'd be like, Greg, you got another thing of hate mail. Here Greg, why go. do I keep getting texts with pictures of testicles in it? 
Oh, wait, you, you're not supposed to do that? I thought that's how text messaging <laughs> worked. Tiger's like, they were my testicles, Dave. <laughs> um, or you can email us, mail at elsnerds.com. That goes right to us, so we see it all the time. Um, and all of our, like uh, Corey mentioned, all of our subscription links can be found under uh, gncast.com slash subscribe, including our Facebook page and our Twitter page um, for the network, and our show page is at, El- at elsnerds on Twitter. And you can follow our producers, Beatmaster, or Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80, Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion, I'm at that Gregor. Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to don'taskcomics.com, that is my website, that's where uh, comics that I help publish and uh, sometimes write are on there. Yeah, and so I think the last thing to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production, we'll see you guys next week. Or else... You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>